We are live, more or less, if you count life support. <laughs> <laughs> With Mark Anthony, I'm Rick Rosen. This is good sports. I don't know what isn't life support. I think lunch is life support if you really think about it. But uh, yeah. all right, uh, they're starting with <laughs> some things are actually on life support. Um, first off, Mark, I want to. I, 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 this is somebody that we both know, and I'm not sure you you are aware that you know this man. But uh, Coach Monty Williams uh, was the coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, uh, the head coach. Uh, he was uh, an assistant coach with the Oklahoma City Thunder. They played last night. They played each other uh, a, a day or two ago. Monty Williams' wife was involved in a horrific car wreck and, and passed away. And Ooh. our thoughts and prayers are to Monty Williams. Monty Williams is the guy who, a former NBA player, who we see all the time, Mark, at Basketball USA, and he's the one that, that takes the guys one-on-one during the drills. And he, when, one oh, time yeah. it's Kobe Bryant, one time it's LeBron James. The next guy that comes up in line is Russell Westbrook and on and on and on. Yeah. Monty Williams is the guy that's out there defending them. And a really nice man. He asked me for some photos of him uh, and I sent them to him. And uh, like I say, just a really, really nice man. And uh, God bless him and his family. I believe his wife uh, and he had five children. And they're now without their wife and mother. And a tough time. Yeah, I don't care what what time it is of the year. It's it's tough to lose uh, somebody in the prime of their life. Yes. But uh, you know, Valentine's Day, and uh, you know. So anyway, our thoughts and prayers uh, out, out to the the Williams family, and uh, uh, God bless. And uh, you know, uh, when I understand, uh, she was a woman of deep faith, and that will serve her well on this next journey. So that is true. Uh, anyhow, um, you know, I just uh, just want to. Super Bowl's done. Yeehaw. Um, you know, uh, and as uh, I got the note from you, Mark, yeah, I told him so. I, I did say. Um, and it, it's it's hard not to not to crow a little bit, but every t- if you look at the regular season, they, they fixed, they put this bye week in the schedule now. Every time a team uh, comes off their bye week, improves much more so than their offense does now it gives teams a chance to get somebody back healthy that may have been you know dinged up or whatever and just needs that extra week to get to get well to be able to use a leg or a hand or whatever that might be dinged up uh but they also the defenses seem to make much better progress than the offenses do and i think a lot of that has to do with you have two weeks to prepare for your opponent so uh it's amplified and uh, i think um that uh, uh, Wade Phillips is probably one of the greatest defensive coordinators to ever walk on the football field. First, Angel, he's a, a, a really nice man. Uh, he's very self-effacing. He's not the Buddy Ryan in your face kind of guy. But man, he has uh, he has done himself real proud. He was out of football a year ago. And uh, when Gary Kubiak took over the Denver Broncos, the head coaching job for the Denver Broncos, he asked Wade Phillips to uh, come out of retirement and uh, be the defensive coordinator. And they won a Super Bowl for his trouble. Uh, Wade Phillips, if you remember back a few years, was uh, the defensive coordinator at San Diego. Uh, yeah, and Sean Merriman as his two big studs, man, and they, they destroyed people. They just absolutely ate people up. And that's exactly what this Denver defense did. Did. And uh, but I think that bye week, that second week of prep time that they have between the uh, championship games and the and the the Super Bowl, uh, really really served Denver well. And I I said as you 
they're going to come up with a way to to defense uh, Cam Newton and make him do the things that he doesn't necessarily like to do, and that's and, and uh, Cam Newton has not done himself well. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for Johnny Manziel, he'd be the biggest jackass quarterback in the <laughs> NFL. But you know, uh, but now we are at that time, Mark, where uh, uh, people look back and they'll reflect on last season and look ahead to this next season. Next season, the Rams will be back in Los Angeles. Uh, maybe the world will regain some of its proper spin that way. That's where the Rams are supposed to be, not St. Louis. St. Louis should have maybe have had the Cardinals, which started in Chicago. But um, anyhow, the Rams are back to back to Los Angeles, and the Chargers are probably soon to follow. Uh, I don't know if the Raiders will make it to Las Vegas or not. It's going to take some uh, definite pulling uh, heads oh, out of asses in the NFL. Do not, Mark, as you know, we've been on the air long, long enough to know that I'm not big on hypocrites in the least. And I think it is so incredibly hypocritical of the NFL to have all their popularity and all their billions and billions and billions of dollars. The damn Dallas Cowboys are worth close to $2 billion as a franchise. And it is not because the Dallas Cowboys are such an inner entertaining team to watch it's because people can bet on football it lends itself to wagering basketball baseball does not necessarily because it's just a there's so much to do with the the umpires and the unwritten rules and all this nonsense hockey you know one goal one breakaway one guy loses his blade on the ice and it can change the entire complexion of the game the outcome in football there's more you have more chances to, to make up for errors, et cetera, et cetera. And it is just one of those things, for whatever reason, football lends itself to being cool to bet on. Uh, and now they've, they've bashed halftime betting and in-place betting and during the game betting. And you can bet on the whether the next play, if the right guard's going to cut a fart that stinks. Uh, it's, yep. You can bet on anything, all these props and everything. and, and But it, it is popular because betting and uh, uh, now you know the NFL just is I think the issue is going to be forced policy on marijuana they have to uh, you can't suspend your stars for doing something that's legal most or a good number that's you know nobody cares I'm standing waiting for the bus and half the time there's somebody smoking something you smell the you know you smell it as it goes by I don't know if it has flunked me on a drug test but it's enough to where you know what the hell they're doing and the NFL is doesn't mind populating themselves and being proud of all these kids that come out of this this culture and they're millions and millions and billions of dollars off of them and then don't acknowledge the fact that this is reality and that's what we're talking about with gambling so Sheldon Adelson wants to build a a uh, stadium here in Las Vegas and be the home to the Raiders. Las Vegas has always been a Raiders town. Uh, there are other fans yes. from other places or whatever, but I nah, think the biggest concentration Raider. outside of California, it's, it's Raider nation. And, and it, you know, that brand of football, that, that mystique that the Raiders have, uh, and have always had, even in the losing crappy times, there were always Raiders. Nobody, nobody else on earth, <laughs> no other franchise has a black hole. That's, that doesn't have, you know, Homeland Security embedded in it. They're proud. You can go to the Raiders game and see people dressed up as medieval warriors. And they, you know, so it's just a, it's just a different thing there. And it's too bad for Oakland. But 
they are a depressed economy up there, and they don't have the money really to to spend on simply a, a stadium. Where Las Vegas does, it would help. So this makes sense on so many levels. They're gonna. It's gonna be across the street from UNLV if they bring the stadium that the rebels can play in to the <laughs> the campus then they will that football team will absolutely explode onto the scene and could very soon uh, uh, work towards a national championship or at least be in the hunt for a national championship playing out there in damn near Arizona doesn't work <laughs> the raiders need a home the Rebels need a home. There are so many events that we could host. We have a good a good bowl game. It's the highest rated second tier bowl game. But they're once again they're out there. They're not near the strip. There you can't see anything from out there except the you know it's the Silver Bowl. And in its time, it was it, it had its value. It has very very limited value, particularly to college football right now. So I, I think there's plenty of, of good for this. There's, uh, people were talking, you know, when it was going to be the soccer stadium, Mark, I railed against it. I said, that's ridiculous to spend any public money on this, on this uh, uh, arena uh, uh, anywhere else that's going to be for soccer. It's not going to work. Football works. The Raiders work. The running Rebels work in a stadium. Other things. Imagine the National Finals Rodeo taking it out of the Thomas and Mac and putting it in a football stadium. That makes sense. You can go from end to end, half roping and, and all those types of things. I think it lends itself to a lot of things that is uniquely Las Vegas. And uh, I think it's a good idea. And uh, however much money it's going to take, I think Sheldon's got it in pocket change. And, you know, whatever the negotiations are, they said, we'll try for a billion and see where, see where we go. And I think there's going to be some public money, but I think it would be money well spent. Well, the, well, you know that that's that's what I'm on on board with because yes, they threw out this 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 huge number and said you know we want seventy percent public financing, but that's a starting point. That's you know this is yeah. a negotiation. Sheldon didn't 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 become a billionaire by being stupid. Having that's that right. having that where it's where they want it works for so many different reasons with or without an NFL team. But for the UNLV, perfect place for it. For all the other events that, that, um, that Sam Boyd stadium is used for perfect place for it. Right size, right place. Okay. Traffic might be a little bit of a bitch, but you, you know, anything that goes in there is going to enhance Vegas's image. You know, and anything yeah, that can help, absolutely. anything that can help the UNLV uh, football team, go for it. And the one thing nobody's talking about is the value of the land that Sam Boyd Stadium is sitting on. What they can sell that for? Oh, absolutely. It would be a great place for a different airport, uh, <laughs> you know, instead of moving it out to Gene or, or Prim or whatever. No, there's. You're right, Mark. There, there's lots of different uses for it and i don't i you know maybe they will say okay um what we get in proceeds from the sale of that we'll put towards this new arena or whatever but i think this will pay for itself uh, time and time again and particularly if you think it's two blocks three blocks from the strip you can see the the big wheel the observation the uh -huh. sex wheel the, is that what they're calling it now <laughs> the world's largest sex swing 
that story was 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 humorous, if nothing else. And they, <laughs> do, do, uh, just, just to take a moment, do you know that the guy's girlfriend bailed him out, not the woman that he was tasting her Girl Scout cookies. Oh my cookies. God! The really? one, his girlfriend bailed him out, and uh, boy, that's an understanding woman. <laughs> you know, he's going to have to go to Kobe Bryant and say, okay, now how do we work this out? How do I oh keep the one God, that bailed yes. me out? And it's Valentine's Day, and I don't have five million bucks to get her a ring. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was just a, but I, uh, you know, uh, it was only a question of time. You have half an hour. Nobody can get in or get out. They can't climb up to you. They can't do anything. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, oh, whether I'm it's sure the alcohol the or, or whatever it was, you know, but what, what an understanding woman and, and, and God bless her. I think that's, uh, I think that speaks highly of her she, <laughs> unless she bailed him out just to beat the crap out of him. <laughs> you know, you worthless son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, those, those kind of things. You got I think some uh-huh. people would rather be left. To, yeah. Some, some people would be rather left in jail than bailed out. Uh, you know, kids. <laughs> We're going to call your dad and have him come get you out of jail. Nope, oh, God, don't. No, just let me rot. No, <laughs> thanks. I'll, I'll plead guilty to anything. Just don't call my dad. So uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the dichotomy of, of the thing is or the, you know, the, the whole insides. But uh, speaking of whole insides, I have to have another damn colonoscopy. And Mark. Uh-huh. They did. They did one. And folks, if you if you have a colonoscopy scheduled or you're worried about getting a colonoscopy, get it. It's nothing. The worst part of it is the prep for it, and it just makes you have really insane diarrhea for a day. And it's you know, I mean, it's water. It's not like you're. It's not. It's not painful. Nothing hurt. And the the worst thing I I, I the thing I hate mo- the most out of the deal is. Where am I? Where, where's the camera? They uh, always put the IV in the back of your hands there. Yeah. And uh, that's where I used to get chemotherapy, Mark. And, uh, you know, next uh, in the next couple of weeks, three weeks, I guess, uh, the weekend of the race will be my 23rd anniversary for my uh, cancer surgery. But I used to hate that most about chemotherapy, no matter how sick I got or anything else. That, that needle in the back of this hand is just not a place where it's Okay, I yeah. can poke myself in the fingers. You can, it doesn't matter. And I used to say, how come we can't do it in my arm like normal? Well, if we screw it up in your hand, then we can move up to your wrist. And if we screw it up there, then we can move up to your, I said, let's don't screw up. Just start in my arm and then you haven't screwed up yet. I'll take it off. No, they wouldn't do it. So they always got me in the back of the hand and it just feels interesting. But that's absolutely the worst part of the colonoscopy other than the, the going through a couple rolls of Charmin. So, um, you know, it's it's not bad, but because they found polyps, and uh, they are what they are always what they call. Pre- that's why they take them out. From what I understand from the doctor, they found one right near the exit ramp, and that one came out rather mundanely. The other one was much further up near my near where used to be my appendix, unless it's grown back, and uh, they destroyed it getting it out, and so they couldn't do the they couldn't do the pathology on it. There was not enough left to, to, to figure out what it was. So they're going to have to go back in and look a second time and make sure they got everything and, and do all that. So I guess it's error on the side of caution, which you don't really have a, a viable option as far as I'm concerned. So speaking of colonoscopies, uh, the, the NFL is going is to have to get rid of some of their uh, polyps, too, and not the least of which is Johnny Menzel. 
one of the most Roger accurate Goodall. descriptions or names I've I've ever you know well, Roger Goodell is such a such a just a, a an attorney who gives other attorneys a bad name, which is difficult to do, but he uh, <laughs> he has single-handedly done that. But Johnny Menzel, you know, uh, one a very derisive nickname for him, they, they call him Johnny Football. He won the Heisman Trophy as a freshman at Texas A&M. Rightfully or wrongfully, he won it. Uh, you know, I didn't get a vote. I don't think I would have voted for him. I think there was other more votes. But he was the guy that got to press and had the name and the blah, blah, blah. He got it much more on reputation than he did on actual on-field. Uh, productivity, but um, somebody called him Johnny College Football, and I think that's very appropriate. Robert Griffin III was a tremendous college athlete, and for the longest time, the Heisman Trophy was not indicative of any kind of NFL success. It really was probably the O.J. Simpson that, that broke the mold of of Heisman busts in, in, in the pros. Uh, Paul Horning won the Heisman, and he was the golden boy, and, and he came from Notre Dame and, and luckily went with the Green Bay Packers, and he never was that breakout star on the Packers. A lot of that might have had to do with uh, with uh, Vince Lombardi and the philosophy that they had to win all their championships. But Johnny Manziel, certainly, I never did I – did the words from across the – Johnny Manziel is going to be a star in the NFL, luckily be able to help a very, very, very moribund – Cleveland Browns to come out of the fog. Uh, uh, they they have never done that since. I mean, Bill Nelson was the last quarterback to to lead them to a championship, and that was before they had Super Bowls. I think it was 1964. Lyndon Johnson was the president oh, when the Browns won their last championship. So, um, you know, and I could not see they would have been much better off off trading for a guy or getting somebody that that has proven that they at least know the the way around and they instead wasted their picks on johnny menzel instead of an offensive line or some defensive guys that can rush and and, and this and that so menzel beat up his girlfriend hit her so hard that he ruptured her eardrum and uh, i think he's probably gonna gonna spend some time in jail from this and uh, hopefully he gets his life together. I don't think he's a bad guy. He's a guy that got a lot of money and and lived on that fame, uh, much like Cam Newton. Um, you know, he's not a he, – he, he, I don't think they get it about how, how fortunate they are and how much they've been blessed and that there's not a whole hell of a lot of difference between them and the guy coming back from Afghanistan with no legs or something like that that is just by the grace of God. Uh, that they they get to play in the NFL and not to play in the in the fields of uh, of Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever right. it is, the people are shooting at you and wanting to kill you. <clears throat> so some guys get it and some guys don't. Uh, uh, and and Quan Bolden was the uh, 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 NFL's man of the year, and he does so many things for the community and does a, does a lot of uses his his fame to 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 help others and i think that's the way to go and these guys don't get it cam newton you know proved himself to be a jerk i don't know that he's as big a jerk as as is being portrayed but he certainly didn't do himself any favors but on the other hand here's a guy with a whole bunch of millions of dollars who may have cost himself a whole bunch of millions of dollars but let's go back he already has a whole bunch of millions, millions of, dollars. of dollars it's not like he was on food stamps and and living uh, paycheck to paycheck and screwed himself out of millions. He did, he's not the guy that lost the $63 million lottery ticket in California. 
You yeah. know, he's the guy who screwed up. And, 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 and I, I appreciate the fact that guys are bad losers. They don't like to lose. Kyle Busch um, hates to lose more than he likes to win. He absolutely despises losing. And when, Pete Rose absolutely despises losing. So those are the guys that become champions because of that. But that does not mean you just because you hate losing doesn't mean you should be a bad loser. And I think that's how Cam Newton came across in the Super Bowl. And I think the one play where the fumble was on the ground, they still had a chance, not a good chance, but they still had a a a, a legitimate chance of doing something and making it a game and we've seen games in the in this season in particular you look at the uh, uh, green bay and detroit the hail mary and, and and you know there were several games like that during this nfl season and uh, the ball was on the ground and newton said well I, I was afraid of getting hurt well what the hell were you saving yourself for the next <laughs> week the next the, the next big game down the road you know and guys that and especially when you play with guys that are in the trenches, those guys get hit. It's a car wreck every single play on the offensive and defensive line. It is, you know, receivers. You send a receiver across the middle, and you expect them to catch one of those passes that you throw up by their heads instead of down on the ground where they don't get drilled, and you're, they're expected to make the catch. Okay, we need the 10 yards. We need the first down. Go get the ball. And, you know, they've got guys the size of, of small car, of, of cars that are coming at full speed to hit them, and they, they're they expected to take it. And Cam Newton didn't put himself in the same position as he has put others. I think it's going to cost him down the road. I don't think his teammates are going to play as hard for him as they would for other people. I think you look, Peyton Manning's people play real down, and he might go back in the huddle and say, hey, keep that big SOB off of me from now on. But he doesn't do it in public. Look, and he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't take his teammates to task for it or whatever. And, and I think guys play hard for guys like that. Guys used to play very, very hard for Brett Favre because mm-hmm. they knew he was playing hard for them. Right. Uh, you know, and uh, if you look at John Elway, the guy who's now the president of the Broncos, and uh, uh, congratulations to the Broncos. They played a hell of a game, and they made a, you know, they had some ups and downs in the season. They did without their starting quarterback and still earned the number one seed thanks to New England screwing up. But uh, uh, that got them to the Super Bowl, and they get to wave the trophy. And, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, it, it's one thing when, 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 you're a, when, when you're a second stringer and you don't like to, you know, you run out of bounds or whatever. And Ted Ginn didn't do himself any favors. Ginn heads for the sideline. Ginn runs out of bounds. Ginn does this out of bounds. Well, it's the Super Bowl, man. Stay in bounds. Get that extra yard. It may come in handy. And uh, when you have guys that, that are on your team that are getting the crap beat out of them on every play, and you look around and you got prima donnas back behind you, and you say, okay, why am I doing this? Why am I giving up my body? Why am I limping? Why am I unable to get out of bed on Monday morning? And this SOB's over at a nightclub or doing whatever because he ran out of bounds or he didn't jump on a fumble or whatever. So it costs the, the, the Carolina Panthers in the long run. Speaking of cost for football, Mark, Uh-oh. as I said, the 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 Super Bowl uh, indicates the start of the free agency, and they yep. a whole bunch more attorneys uh, involved in the deal than than we had before. And there's some interesting names. Uh, teams get this franchise tag, they call it, meaning you're a free agent. 
and I don't want to lose you, and we can't agree on terms for a new contract. So we give you the franchise tag, meaning we're gonna we're gonna pay you the average of the top three salaries at your position, or five salaries, the average, whatever it is, and we're gonna give that to you and keep you locked up for one year, and then hopefully we can work out a, a deal where. Uh, we can work out a long-term contract. Von Miller is a free agent for the Denver Broncos, as is Brock Osweiler, the guy that uh, is the heir apparent to uh, Peyton Manning in Denver, the guy who kept them in games and won some games, uh, 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 beat Pittsburgh, you know, did or beat uh, uh, New England, uh, did some things that are necessary to do to say, okay, I can play in this league, an unrestricted free agent. Well, they only have one. So they can either work and pay him as he deserves the Super Bowl MVP who certainly earned his earned his keep uh, or can use it on Brock Osweiler's so they're going to have to get one of them locked up they're going to have to deal with you know one of the two devils and uh, um, the other one's going to get the franchise tag almost surely I, they cannot afford to lose either of them but uh, other teams are in are in some some trouble with some of the free agents and some of the things they're going to have to do, and they release guys that they certainly would like to have on their team, but the attorneys got involved and worked this out and that out and contract negotiations, the NFLPA and all, all this other stuff, and guys now get to kind of choose where they want to go. You know, if you're tired of working at Target, you can go to Walmart or vice versa. Um, in the NFL, they said you should be able to do that, so uh, they've worked this into the contract where – you have this free agency and now they have restricted free agents and unrestricted free agents and pending free, uh, not so free agents and all kinds of crap, all kinds of designations. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how this works out. Uh, uh, and I think there are going to be some huge changes to some teams. Uh, some teams uh, procrastinate on these deals and say, okay, we want to win now. Well, there's only one Super Bowl champion every year. And there's probably 10 or 12 teams that, that mortgage their future for let's win it right now. Well, not all of them can be right. And uh, the Cowboys come to mind. They do that a lot. And then they have to restructure contracts or lose guys. They lost to Marcus Ware to that kind of deal. We want to win it now. Well, Tony Romo goes down and they don't have the season they wanted. And DeMarcus Ware leaves. It ends up with Denver. And now he's got the trophy. So um, uh, I think there's going to be some things that people don't see coming. When teams, this is when they start releasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, two-time All-Pro, three-time All-Pro uh, released, meaning they, they didn't want to pay him the $15 million or $16 million or whatever it is guaranteed. But, uh, um, yeah, uh, somebody's going to get cut, and it's for teams to be able to uh, stretch out a signing bonus as opposed to paying them or having to count uh, just one year of salary towards their, uh, uh, towards their deal. I, I think uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, is in the free agent list. Uh, Robert Griffin is is certainly a guy that is. I doubt he's ever going to play with Washington again. But is a viable. Uh, maybe he's learned. And this is not something you just come out of college and you know. They say, "Oh, those smart guys, God, we've got a team full of seniors, juniors, and seniors, upper classmen in college, and they all make these great decisions. And then they get to the pros, and they're just raw rookies." And they have somebody has shoved their head right back in their ass, and that's how they play for the first couple of years. There's very few guys that come in and have any kind of impact. Uh, you know, running backs probably are the are the exception to that rule, and maybe a receiver now and again. But running backs have that 
that thing that they do and they don't have a great deal of, of uh, not near the learning curve that other positions do uh, come in into the NFL. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out, Mark. Um, have you heard about the changes to NASCAR, by the way? That's what I wanted wanted to move into. Uh, this is just okay. really weird. Hit me with it. What the hell is this franchise? All right. Well, we were talking charter. about NFL franchises. They've had teams and team owners and this and that, and you got Joe Gibbs racing and Jack Roush racing and Hendrick racing and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Newman Haas or Stuart Haas racing. And they all, they're team owners and they have teams and they and, and blah, blah, blah. Well, everybody had to go through qualifying. And if you're not in the top 35, you don't get to qualify. You, you, you have to qualify. You don't get automatic in on points and this and that. And they've said, this is kind of convoluted and we, we can do this a different way. So now what they've basically done is said, you can have up to four cars in your franchise, much like there's a Denver Broncos, there's a Hendrix Motorsports, and now it is a franchise and it can be traded or sold. And so there's value to the team rather ah. than just their equipment and their, and their contracts. And there will only be four uh, cars They've, they've gone from 43 starters to 40, meaning we won't see Morgan Shepard anymore. God bless him. The guy's like 90 years old. Uh, Joe Nemechek uh, will probably not be in many NASCAR, many more NASCAR races. You may see some former champions. Bobby Labonte's going to be in the Daytona 500, even though he's retired. He's certainly going to try to qualify and make the Daytona 500. So I think you're going to see some guys maybe, it's, it's some guys it's going to work for, some guys it's not. But there are now franchises, and you can have a maximum of four teams. And so uh, there's going to be four wildcard teams that, that qualify their way in every week. Well, they're not going to park and ride. They can't afford to do that anymore. That was an embarrassment. That was an embarrassment for us. That was an embarrassment for NASCAR. That was an embarrassment, man, to know the guy's going to go 10 laps and get in somebody's way and put other people's lives at jeopardy because they're going 30 miles an hour faster than him on a super speedway and and he can't get out of the way and they can't you know they need the space that he's occupying for no good reason other than to just start and get a paycheck so they've uh, they've eliminated that i don't think it's a perfect system mark but i think it's probably a time uh, it's time that it's come to that and i think some of the other sports organizations may follow uh, very quickly because if a team you know, if something happens and a team goes out of business, as Kurt Busch says, you get dimes on the dollar for your equipment, and and your sponsorships is where all the money is. And so they've kind of taken that that out of the equation somewhat. You're still going to need sponsors, and you're still going to need this and that, but uh, um, I think you're going to see a, a pretty decent change. The other change is big to NASCAR, not necessarily the, the cup people, is that they're going to have a chase format for both the truck racing, uh, the Camping World uh, Truck Series, and the Xfinity Series is now going to have the same format at the end uh, to a lesser extent. But still, uh, they're going to qualify and eliminate some people out and, and cut it down and have a playoff system like has worked so well for the for the Sprint Cup. You know, when it started, Mark, I was not a big fan of this new format, but I have warmed to it greatly. I think it does add excitement. It 
does make it a, a, a pretty legitimate thing. They do have a playoff, and it's winner take all, and uh, that's a you know that's cool. So yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, you know Tony Stewart not going to be in the in the Daytona 500. He's never won the Daytona 500. God, he's won everything else. He's he's very oh, similar nice. to how Dale Earnhardt was. He'd won so many times. You know the the leader of winning races at Daytona. He just never won the Daytona 500 until a couple of years before it killed him there, uh, trying to win it again. But uh, uh, now Tony Stewart in his final year broke his back in a dune buggy a- accident. And he was out there tooling around with uh, Greg Biffle and Jeff Gordon. And uh, uh, he come off a hill on a dune and landed hard. And it's unfortunate he didn't have Dr. Sicking's uh, apparatus underneath that dune buggy or he'd have been just fine. But it broke uh, it broke his lower back. It's called a burst fracture in his L1 lumbar, which is right down there by your tailbone. Oof. And it broke it broke that and surgery to fix it. It's certainly questionable whether he will be able to race here in Las Vegas. Uh, we a lot of fans would like to see Tony Stewart race yep. again, and I don't think they're going to get the opportunity to. He, he'll come back, and he may he may try to do what Kyle Busch did and miss a few miss a few races and be able to come back. Although it's a bit different. Kyle Busch was hurt at a race. And it happened to be the day before the Daytona 500, and so he he made his way back in, but he was hurt racing. Tony Stewart was hurt in a dune buggy, and it would have been the same. What if he'd hurt his back hang gliding or playing basketball or something like that? I think it's a little different, but I think uh, because of what Tony Stewart has done and, and, and means to – uh, NASCAR itself and everything, they will accommodate him and say, okay, if you make the top 30, and, and maybe they'll, they'll name the Bush, the, the, the rule, the Kyle Bush rule uh, from now on, if you, if you, you know, there's some extenuating circumstances and you fight your way back in and, and, and can do it on your own with only half a season or whatever it was, much like Kyle did last year. Um, you know, he spent more than a four guidelines and still came back to, to force his way into the championship and force his way to, to, to get to hold the trophy. So he did. Um, uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's unfortunate for us here. And uh, I will say this, uh, a friend of ours, Mark, uh, that we, we are dealing with uh, through our Vegas bets is a man named Nick Pastura, who is the guy that, uh, that does quite a few of the helmet customizes them. And he does, uh, helmets and what a great job the guy does and uh he was doing a special thing with tony stewart he had some kind of uh, some kind of thing he was working on to have a different helmet i believe for every race uh, for tony stewart and they were going to do some charity things and this and that well now <laughs> that's been yeah. sidelined uh, you don't need to you don't need to wear a helmet you know but uh uh Stewart's a tough old guy, and uh, and he'll be back. And uh, he hasn't been the same for the last two or three years. You know, he broke his leg in a sprint car wreck, and then the next year he was involved in the in the on track incident that killed Kevin Ward. Right. And um, these things have all taken a lot out of Tony Stewart, and it's unfortunate. He's been a great champion and a great racer and a great friend of friend of all types of of auto racing. And uh, um. You know, it's not the way you would hope he would get to go out. It's not like Peyton Manning getting the way on out of here. And That's God, right. I hope Manning doesn't play somewhere else. I hope he just waves goodbye and, and rides off into the sunset and eats Papa John's and drinks Budweiser until he's old and fat and happy. You know, he deserves it. But hey, Stewart uh, deserves better than this kind of exit from racing. Go now, ahead. Now, we have do, – do, 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 we have – the Boyd Gaming 300 is on Saturday, March 3rd, correct? 
And the what? And, uh, boy, the Boyd Gaming three uh, three hundred is on March. Is on Saturday. It's the first Saturday in March. Yeah, and then and then that's followed the by, by the Cobalt four hundred. Right. What else happens on that Saturday? Uh, and it's Saturday the 5th, and that's St. Baldrick's Day, Mark, and uh, at several locations in Las Vegas. We're going to go to, uh, I'm going to go to McMullen's, get my head shaved. Uh, last year, Brendan Gaughan cut my hair there on uh, Pit Road following the Xfinity race, and one of the coolest things I've had happen to me, and Brendan's such a good cat. He, he's just, he's, he's a guy, he, he, here's a guy who may benefit from this uh, franchise thing. He has sponsors. He has his, his dad in South Point Casino as the sponsors and, and right. those kind of things. So, Brendan may, you know, he's a hell of a racer. He's a hell of a competitor. And uh, uh, he may benefit. But uh, St. Baldrick's Day is, is the, the 5th of, of March, immediately following the uh, Xfinity race. And just before daylight saving starts. I don't know, you know, it's, <laughs> somebody must be laughing. I, 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 uh, I don't know who it is, but say, okay, we'll have that race weekend and then we'll take one hour out of the party. We want to save all the rednecks from, from drinking too much, too much, partying yes. too much in Vegas. So, so they so take one of the hours. Why are you having out. your head shaved? Why are you having your head shaved? It is, it is to, uh, A for solidarity with the kids that are going through, uh, uh, cancer treatment. And just to raise funds for childhood cancer research, as I mentioned, Nick Pastura, if he is in town, Mark, and now it has somewhat changed up his plans with uh, Tony Stewart being injured. Uh, Nick Pastura has uh, offered to uh, paint my head much like he would a helmet once I get this, uh, what, what remains of my hair shaved off. <laughs> and uh, let, me, let me see. I, if, I, if I turn like this, yeah, I seem you don't to have, have a head hair. start on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, I like the fact that it's in the shape of a, of a, a light bulb. I think that's indicative of my <laughs> curly Q light bulb. But okay. anyhow, <laughs> uh, anyhow, that's a, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of the coolest things that I've done. It's one of the most humbling things you can do. It is. March 5th, I get my head shaved for childhood cancer research. March 6th would have been my 40th anniversary. And as you know, I was married for 32 years and uh, got divorced because I didn't like her boyfriend as much as she did. Uh, March 7th will be my 23rd anniversary of my breast cancer surgery, Mark. So it all kind of bing, bing, bing. It's one big cool thing to do. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take much to look around and see a kid and, and who has either survived cancer or is going through and one of the cruelest illnesses you've ever heard of is to think of what a kid must go through to have to have their, man, if that doesn't steal your childhood from you, I don't know what does, to have to know that you may die. And, you know, Mark, one of the cool things that I've gotten to do as a photographer and as a radio guy is the people at the Speedway knew that I was a cancer survivor, and they used to let me do the make-a-wish things for the kids because I just – I offered to do it. Not everybody wanted to do it. And I offered to do it, and I would go get to spend just a little bit of quality time with the kids that were going through. And, and, and one of the young men, uh, he was eight years old, and uh, Dale Jarrett was still UPS uh, uh, car. Uh, this kid was a big Jarrett. That's what his wish was. And they brought him to Las Vegas and he was from Ohio 
and they brought him to Las Vegas, and he had that brain uh, cancer, and he'd had already a couple surgeries, and he wanted to, he wanted to meet Dale Jarrett. And so they had arranged it, and it was the day of the race, and it was maybe an hour, hour and a half before the race, Mark. And we went to Jarrett's holler, and he came out, and he sat there. And Dale Jarrett's a pretty big boy for, for an auto racer. He's a, he's a good-sized man. And I was not necessarily a real big fan of his. I liked his dad better. And uh, um, I, I didn't like him because he was pissed off at <laughs> Jeff Gordon a lot. So, uh, but, but anyhow, Dale Jarrett sat this young man on his lap. Lap, and the kid was looking up at his sunglasses, and Dale Jarrett took off his and traded them for the little kid's 99-cent store, you know, uh, uh, sunglasses. And, and he sat there and played little race cars with this kid and just talked with him and read a little book to him. And uh, it was a racing book, and it was the kid's favorite book. And one of the most touching things I've ever witnessed and been able to, that, that I have been fortunate enough to be involved with and take photos of and uh, – uh, the kid's mom sent me uh, used to send me articles about his recovery, and then sent me a note one day that he'd uh, he'd had uh, a setback and was going to have to have more surgery. And I lost touch with him, and I haven't heard anything since. And uh, uh, but when you when you look in your heart and you think, oh my God, here is a child who no people tell him, well, you know, you have to do this or you're going to die. I don't know that the kids are are have the the capacity to understand death and the finality of it at least here on earth and uh it's man just a it just it just tears your heart out what can i do one of the things you can do is cut your damn hair you get your head shaved and you wear your little green uh bracelet and it you might show it you wear your little green bracelet and it says it says uh saint baldrick's day conquer childhood cancer and that's exactly what it's about and uh uh, the, the fine folks at McMullen's Irish Pub, uh, McMullen, who lost their daughter to childhood cancer, uh, has as, about as much as you can buy in to this uh, fight against uh, against childhood cancer. Tomorrow, out at uh, Town Square, Mark, is the the leprechaun uh, deal, the, the world's largest gathering of leprechauns. Yep. And if you can get out there, I think it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Are we going to do a broadcast from there, Mark? I'm up for it if you are. Uh, not a broadcast, but uh, we we will be there for photo and video, and maybe some interviews. Well, anyway, uh, that's out of Town Square, and if you can make it, folks, make it. It's Leprechaun, C-O-N, L-E-P-R-E dash C-O-N, and you can always certainly call McMullen's Irish Pub and ask them details. I don't know if you have if you're able to put that up on our site, Mark. It'll be up there somewhere. Okay, somewhere over here in my uh, the stuff, I still have my Super Bowl goodies here, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't eat them all. There you go, there you go. Come on, get out of here. I'll tell you what it says here. It says, "Too bad this isn't a two-sided card, or I'd be able to read it." Um, a leprechaun, uh, gather, walk, run. It is uh, your registration includes a leprechaun costume. You can do the 5K, the one mile, or the Irish jig, uh, commemorative medal, live music, beer garden, finish line expo. It's 9 a.m. The race starts and party till noon. Register day, lepra-con.org. 
And uh, again, it's a conquering childhood cancer, one leprechaun at a time. And I believe they're trying to set the world record for the largest number of leprechauns. So everybody's <laughs> dressed up in their hats and their and their stuff and their beards, and it ought to be cool. And uh, you know, if you want if you want to feel better about yourself, I don't care what kind of scumbag you are. Uh, or not, um, get your get your head shaved. Volunteer and do something for, for childhood cancer. Uh, I guarantee you it'll make you feel better about yourself, and it'll make a difference to a kid. If your hair is long enough, uh, nine inches long or longer, uh, it's long enough to make a wig for a kid going through a, a, through a, a, a chemotherapy or cancer. Uh, 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 the, uh, the entire gamut, I mean, my God, the radiation and all those things that shouldn't happen to a kid happen to kids and uh, you know they're saving a hell of a lot more than they were and st baldrick's is one of the great organizations that gives damn near every penny they can to the research um, i mean they they use the bare minimum of money to to print and do things and they get so many things that are that are uh, there you go that's awesome uh yeah they do so many things that are uh uh, donated to them so they don't have to use any of the money that they collect except for the fact that they it goes to childhood cancer research and make more kids survivors than 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 die of, of childhood cancer. And they're making great strides. I thought it was tremendous during the State of the Union address, and I don't care what what if you're political or not, I don't care what you think about the current president or any other kind of politics, I don't care. One of the things that they said was exactly like what Kennedy said: "Is we want to we want to eliminate cancer. The war on cancer should go. It should be a top priority. It kills many more Americans than gun violence, many more people than than anything else, except for maybe heart disease, if I'm not mistaken." mark it certainly kills more than auto wrecks and gun violence and all those things and yet we we tend to put it on the back burner until it hits us and then everybody wants oh my god now what can i do well you should have done something five years ago we might have had the cure by now yeah instead of pissing away your money giving it to some some schmuck who's running for congress who who may or may not give a damn give your money to something that's going to be worthwhile and one of the things places you can do that is St. Baldrick's Day and McMullen's Irish Pub and we hope to see you there on the 5th we hope tomorrow at, at uh, Town Square uh, for a Leprechaun and uh, if you can make it and don't uh, you know okay that's on you uh, but uh, if you can make it please do so it will be greatly appreciated and I guarantee it will go to a to, to a good a good end uh, speaking of a good end, Mark, I guess it's about time for us to wrap this up. Yeah. I've got to iron my, my leprechaun stuff. And uh, All right, you're going to be out there at 8 I'll in the morning? 8 a.m., bright and early. Not all awake. Right. Uh, kind of depends. <laughs> depends yeah. on how the bus runs. I am not guaranteeing I'll be, I'll be awake, also. but I will be there. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll stop for coffee. So, uh well, uh, I guess that's it. Like I say, free agency, Super Bowl's over, baseball right around the corner, big league weekend coming up here in March. Uh, I believe it's March uh, uh, 18th at uh, Cashman Field. The Mets and the Cubs uh, squaring off in the last uh, couple of exhibition games for each team. Cool. Um, certainly both <laughs> made it to the, you know, made the playoffs last year. And uh, we get to see them in Vegas before they go, uh, you know, it's maybe maybe Bryce Harper 
to be perfect, but you you get to see Brian. The, the the kid from uh, uh, Chris Bryant from uh, Las Vegas, uh, the rookie of the year, now playing with the Cubs. Uh, you get to see that great pitching staff from the from the Mets, where team. So you get to see those guys that have made it up to what a great great week it is out there. There are seats available, but if you wait till March seventeenth uh, by tickets, yeah, there, there there's a lot of sellouts and uh, what a great time. It's always great weather. I mean, uh, oh, God, what a showcase. Right and, uh, yeah. So, uh, all right, Mark, uh, any last words for us? Let's uh, go out and have fun this, this, this weekend, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Uh, well, I appreciate That's it. it. And uh, folks, for Mark Anthony, <laughs> for Mark Anthony, I'm Rick Rosen, and you have been listening to Good Sports, and we appreciate that uh, that you do that. And uh, again, we'll see you tomorrow out there at Town Square for Leprechaun. We'll see you on March 5th for uh, St. Baldrick's right after the Xfinity race at the Speedway, and we will definitely see you on March 6th at, at the Speedway for the for the Cup race, uh, whether Tony Stewart's there or not. Uh, for all of us here, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again. Bye-bye.